Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to talk about quitting. Now, I'm sure if you're a, a football fan, you read or heard about Vontae Davis, the veteran defensive back of the Buffalo Bills, who decided to literally quit during the middle of a game last week. Now, that was at least to me, a first. But I really don't want to necessarily focus on Davis this morning, but rather, what do you do when, as a sports parent, your son or your daughter come to you and tell you that they want to quit playing, either on a team or in an individual sport? Now, quitting, well, this is a very, very tough moment, not only for the for the youngster, but for you, the parent, as well. And I want to discuss with you this morning the various life lessons and repercussions about if and when it's okay for a young person to quit a sport. And I'll take your calls, of course, at one 337 6666 That's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. A limited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. You can plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Okay, let's start by recognizing that there are usually several factors that need to be taken into consideration when it comes to uh, a, a youngster deciding to walk away from their their sport. For example, first of all, how old is the child? I mean, to me, a lot of this depends on the chronology. In other words, quitting a sport when one is, let's say, six or seven uh, years old, that's a lot different when one is 14 or 16. When a kid is just starting out uh, in sports, uh, well, usually they're – they're experimenting with all sports. That is, they're, they want to see which sport appeals the most to them. And it usually takes them, you know, a little time to see whether, for example, they enjoy uh, all the running uh, in soccer or if they uh, enjoy the physical contact in football or if they like the challenge of trying to, to hit or to catch a, a baseball and, and, uh, you know, or a softball. I mean, these are what the kids do when they're just starting out in organized activities. And as a result, it's during these first couple of years when they're five, six, or seven that kids routinely change sports and they'll quote-unquote quit one sport and they'll go to another. To me, that's okay because it's understood that this is very much part of the, the learning phase of getting accustomed to various sports. But by the time the youngster to say is uh, nine or ten, well, I think there needs to be a conversation about uh, having made a commitment to one's teammates. Uh, for example, a youngster needs to be taught what the word commitment means when you join a team. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a promise that a kid makes to one's teammates that no matter how the season goes, whether we win or whether we lose, 
that we're all going to stick together and work towards a common goal. And to me, and perhaps uh, I'm a little bit too old school, uh, but I don't think so, that that kind of that kind of sense of commitment is one of the key principles that we do want our children to learn and to, to develop. Okay, now, what about uh, extenuating circumstances that may come into play, such as, let's say, a kid's grades in school are suffering because they're spending too much time on the team, or if a youngster gets injured during the middle of the season and can't compete? Well, clearly, these are obviously factors as well. I mean, they're real-world issues that need to be addressed. But the fact is, when it comes to learning about being on a team, one of the first things that has to be sort of, uh, the kid has to be educated about is a sense of commitment. And again, this begins to sort of, not sort of starts around the age of 9, 10, and can continues right through to me, their middle school and high school years. And as I get older, the word commitment gets even more important in terms of their obligation to their, their, their teammates, their, 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 uh, their coaches, and so on and so forth. But again, what do you do if your youngster comes to you and says, oh, uh, you know what, I, I, I want to quit the team? When, you're, when your 10-year-old comes to you and says, I want to quit, why, you know, what, do you, what do you do? I mean, first of all, the first thing you're going to say is, well, how come? Why? And more often than not, most young kids really don't have an answer, or they simply say something like, it's not fun anymore. Okay, all right, let's go from there. As a parent, what do you say next? Well, to me, this usually means you have to spend some time to sit down with your son or your daughter and try to gently probe what's the real underlying concern as to why they want to quit. Sometimes it's because the the child's feelings were hurt when a youngster, another kid in the team, said something that that they construed as being mean to them. Or maybe your 10-year-old feels that they aren't getting a chance to play their favorite position enough. In other words, usually a short uh, heart-to-heart talk with your child can often reveal the real behind-the-scenes reasons for them being upset and why they want to, to leave the team. And once these issues are resolved, they usually go back and want to play. But again, that's with the younger kids, the 9- and 10-year-olds. But what happens when your teenager, teenager is sitting on the bench on the high school varsity as a junior or senior and comes home one day and says that they want to quit? Well, that's where things can get a little sticky. And again, I want to get your thoughts and comments because, again, quitting, well, the old saying is, you know, winners never quit and quitters never win. And, you know, that's been around for a long time, and there's a lot of truth in that, at least from my perspective. Okay, one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation this morning with John over in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. John, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, so uh, my take is maybe I'm not directly answering the question. Mike, I raised two boys myself as a single parent. Mm-hmm. But my rule, my rule was there was no quitting. I would have the conversation up front. Mm-hmm. I would say we're going to start a sport. You want to sign up for the sport? We're going to buy the equipment, pay the fees. Once we start this, you're going to attend practices. You're going to follow this through to the end. And so the question would then be, do you want to play? And if we got the yes, we are more forward. So a quick side note to that, my younger, my younger son, he played like the very young baseball, quit in the Little League years, 9, 10, 11, 12, ended up playing high school baseball all the way through varsity. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, did, he did well with it, but that was always their choice. And then once they hit high school, to me it's not – it was then hands off to me. I always turned it over. I said, 
the high school coaches deal, I'm out of the loop. But they always follow through with their sports because I set the presidents up front. So that's how I handled it. Well, John, that's an interesting perspective. And I said, as you said, that's you know, you sort of dealt with it and said, look to to your to your boys, if you want to play the sport, you understand you're into it for the entire season. You don't quit. As opposed to exactly. as opposed to the kid coming to you halfway through and saying, Dad, right. I don't want to do this anymore. So you made it right. you took the time to explain to your boys up front this is what this means to be uh, committed to a team. And once you commit, you're going through this no matter how the season progresses or if you're a star or you're sitting there. Exactly. Bench. Yeah, I, I think that, that's, to be, uh, that's to be saluted because, as I said, I think sometimes parents don't do that. They sort of wait and wait until the kid comes to them, and then all of a sudden now you got a problem. And, and I think that's – I, 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 I have one more little story because it was kind of a neat thing. Because of my younger son's attitude, this and that, he gets into freshman high school, and the coach says, new school, new year, everybody gets a fresh, clean slate. Yep. Well, he ends, up, he ends up getting cut. And I heard it was because the coach had heard about his attitude. So I wasn't there. I didn't know it was cut there. Another parent says, you go down there and you tell that coach why you should be on the team. Coach lets him play. He gets defensive player of the year. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway. Hey, John, th- thank you for uh, yep. your call this morning. I appreciate it. And, and, and yeah, look, John obviously understands, and I think this, again, this is something, one of those terms, one of those thoughts, one of those philosophies that, that kids have to be educated about, again, not when they're five or six or seven. That's still too young. But when they get to be nine or ten, okay, if you're going to play the sport, you got to know you're, you're into it for the whole year. And it may go great, it may not go so great, but, again, Con- the concept of committing oneself to a, to a ball club, to a team, I mean, that is something that uh, has to be taken seriously. And again, I just sort of mentioned there's a chronology involved here. As, as your youngster progresses into, uh, into middle school and into high school, yeah, the stakes get a little uh, more uh, you know, complicated. But again, if, if, if your kid is, a, let's say, a, a, a senior or a junior on the team is not playing much and comes to you in the middle of the season and says, you know, I'm clearly not a starter. The coach has got kids he wants to play ahead of me. Uh, you know, maybe uh, the time has come to walk away from the sport. Maybe I can spend my time doing something elsewhere that would be more productive and more enjoyable. Well, that's when you really got to sit down with your youngster. And, you know, uh, I, I, I personally, I have some thoughts and comments. I think by that point, you really have to have a make it sort of almost difficult uh, for your son or daughter to, to walk away because you want to make it clear to them that you've made a commitment and you made a promise, not the, to yourself, but also to, to your teammates and to the coach. And, and, you know, how this is all going to play out, there are going to be ripples about this, and it gets to the kid's character and a sense of their integrity. Uh, and, again, I want to talk about this as well, but clearly this is something that's not often talked about, but it's something that is absolutely fundamental to any kid who goes out to, to play in a team uh, in a sport. one 337 6666 that, of course, is our number. We're going to take some, uh, a break for some commercial messages and for Dave Uram's update. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. I'll talk to you then. Right now, we're talking about quitting in sports. Winners never quit, and quitters never win. And this is, you know, a topic 
you hope and pray that your youngster never has to come to you and say, I really want to quit my, my, my sport. Uh, I'm not having fun and, and it goes through all sorts of repercussions. We know there are complications uh, usually when these kinds of situations occur, but they do happen. Uh, and we're taking your calls at one 337 6666 What do you do if you're a parent, if, this, if your youngster comes to you, or even if you're a coach and a kid comes to you and says, I, I've had enough, I think I want to leave the team. Let's continue our calls. Uh, let's go to, uh, to Ralph here in Manhattan. Ralph, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, many times you'll find these um, these kids aren't prepared to handle the uh, the rigors, the pressure of being um, a team uh, on a team sport with uh, the responsibilities that go along with it. When these kids are depending on them, um, they're more uh, individualized. They like to do things by themselves. They have so many alternatives. You have um, these kids with these. You know, when I was when I was, I sound like a, like an old man, but when I was young, I didn't have all these different. Uh, other other outlets that I can um, you know get my uh, frustrations out. I, I I did it on a basketball court, on a baseball field, on a football field. But that's not the case with these with these children these days. They have so many other uh, interests, and sometimes you have to wonder how did you get into this? How did the kid was it the kid's decision, or was it the parent's decision to get him started? Did, in other words. Was did the kid show an interest, or did the parent want to live vicariously through that child? Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. Uh, and, and hopefully, uh, the, the parents today, we would like to at least think ideally that they're allowing their kids the freedom to pick and choose the sport that they, that the youngster, wants to play. Uh, you know, I, 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 we know that there are sports, uh, more activities today that perhaps didn't exist when you, you and I were growing up. Um, so if a kid says, I want to play a sport that the, the mother or the father is not familiar with, that's okay. But again, by the time they're nine or 10 or 11, okay, you seem to have a real passion for this activity, this sport. You're going to stand on a season by season basis. If you're going to sign up to play in that, that team, you have to see it through. And it gets, as you know, Ralph, it gets to be a little more, uh, the stakes get raised as they get older and get into high school. Um, we, you know, there are extenuating circumstances. I understand that, but again, the first thing is quitting a team midway through, that, that's, that's a tough choice. But you do have to wonder whether they have good reasons sometimes. Yes. See, sometimes you have to get into what's going on at those practices and how that coach is treating these, these kids. And, you know, if you, if you just take it as the kids are failing, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, you call them a quitter or you say that, you know, when we, we decide in the beginning that you have to carry this through – you're really uh, neglecting a, a good aspect of what they may be. You know, they may be really have a good, they may have a good reason I, why they I, why they, they want to quit. Absolutely, and and as I said, this is why if the youngster comes to you and says, uh, especially as they get to be in their teenage years, and they can actually now articulate reasons why. Uh, it's one thing if a kid is nine or ten says, "I don't think it's fun anymore." All right, that's one thing. But time you're sixteen or seventeen. Okay, let's talk about why you want to. You've made this decision, and and there may be, as you said, real valid reasons for a youngster to say I, this is not right. I don't want to do this anymore. There are things going on behind the scenes. 
uh, I'm a victim of being bullied, whatever it might be. And, and, if, I, and if I may, Rick, there's, sure. there's one more thing. They're, they're, um, it's actually taking a turn for the better. From what I observe, it's taking, um, in other words, there was a period when the, the coaches would be, um, you know, screaming and yelling, and I'm, I'm sure they still do it. And they take they take things way way too seriously if if they could or out of out of hand gets out of hand. Now I find these coaches are realizing that they're just kids. It's just a game, and it's not about winning all the time. Uh, they have these kids at the end of the bench playing more often. I think uh, uh, more and more you're seeing these coaches actually get it. Well, and I, that's, a, that's a good thing. I agree, and Ralph, thank you as always for your Thanks. for your good comments. You know, we'd like to think, of course, that in this day and age, that more and more coaches are becoming more enlightened and more aware of all these situations. So that if you have a kid on your team, that even though he may not be a starter, that yeah, see, I'm still on the team. He's still going. Uh, to all the practices and working his tail off, he should get some playing time. May not be a lot of time, but you got to get him into the mix. You got to get him into the game so he can make a sense of a contribution. Uh, coaches uh, using all sorts of uh, abusive ways, uh, verbal abusive ways to motivate kids. Now, that doesn't work anymore, especially with today's kids. You know, hopefully an enlightened coach says, I got to find some ways to really get these kids uh, motivated, but I don't have to go up by just, uh, you know, verbally uh, berating them and and that kind of stuff. That doesn't work anymore either. But again, those are the enlightened coaches. And as much as I like to think that they're on the increase, we also know there are some still some coaches out there who just don't get it, or they say it's still my way or the highway. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, our friend Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Hey, Rick, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm sure you've had to deal with these kind of situations in your long coaching career. (laughs) You know, it's funny because most of the time it was with my athletes and not my my two sons because, you know, like your first caller said, I taught them that you never quit during a season. Um, You know, if you have reasons for it, you please come speak to me. One of the things I disagreed with your first caller is that he said when the kids got to high school, you know, he took a back seat. That's the time not to take a back seat. That's the time to really be concerned because they're in their learning process, exactly like you said. You know, when a kid's 8 or 9 or 10 years old, you know, it's a different thing. But you still educate, and you, you talked about it. You said, you know, we have to teach our kids, and you're absolutely right. There's another word that goes along with commitment, and it's a very important word. And it's, it's in my life skills program that I teach in school. And it's called responsibility. You know, those two words go hand in hand. You know, you got to be committed. A lot of kids today are committed to themselves, but they have to understand that they also have a responsibility to be committed to your teammates, your coaches, your school, if you're representing it, your parents, and yourself. So, you know, the, the, the funny thing about it is, is quitting is a very, very tough tool to teach. Because kids will always have reasons, and the reasons as they get older become bigger. You know, a kid that is dedicated to a sport that goes into playing high school ball usually will not quit because, you know, they just don't like it anymore. Mm-hmm. I understand that there are that do, but there's always a backdoor reason, and that's where we educate. That's where we talk and sit and figure out what the problems are, but... Like you know, like you, Rick, I am old school, and to hear a, 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 a player like you spoke about the football player, I think it was who quit halfway through a game. Oh my God, you know, I mean, that's that's just he's he's being selfish, first of all, 
All right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough lesson. It really is. But my kid comes to me and tells me the first thing I do is I find out the reasons why. Yep. And then we edu- and then we start educating. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Jack. And I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, you know, what, what you do if you're a youngster, and the reason why you have this conversation before the, the, the kid, you know, is on the team, so you understand, you know, there is a commitment involved here. And, and if you're going to be the team, there may be some ups and downs this season, but if things aren't going well, you just can't come up with any number of reasons why you want to quit. Uh, and, and I think that's why, particularly as a kid gets into high school, you have to make it, first of all, you have to have that conversation and say, okay, if, if you want to quit, let's talk about it. why. And from my perspective, what you do is you make it difficult for them to go through this. First thing is you say, okay, let's talk. Give me the reason specifically what is the problem, okay? Then you let them think about it for at least another day. There's no, there's no urgency to deciding right now. You say, okay, let's think about it some more. We'll discuss it more tomorrow. So try to, try to extend the thought process. Then if they still feel convinced they want to quit, well, then you have to urge them to go talk directly with the coach. Uh, and not, not, not with you. The, the youngster has to go talk to the head coach and explain to the coach why they feel the time has come to quit. Now, the truth is, some coaches, well, let's be honest, they'll, they'll welcome the, the kid decision to quit. But others, though, the good coaches, they'll want to spend some time with your youngster and ask them why what are the specific reasons for their departure? The coach, for example, may not have been aware of how upset the, the kid has been or may try to help and to try change things so the kid does not want to quit. Remember, it doesn't reflect well on a, on, a, on a coach when a player quits on the team and walks out the door. That doesn't look good for the coach as well. One other critical step. If your kid is, is gung-ho to want to say, I've had enough, I'm walking out, you say, okay, fine. But you understand this. You just can't just go off and, and, and goof off now. You have to have some other activity lined up, which you're immediately going to go do, whether it means getting a job after school or you're going to do some other sport, whatever it might be. But you just don't give them the freedom to, say, goof off and to just uh, you know, while away the hours uh, after school. That's not what you should be doing. And then that's, make it very clear to them they must have something else lined up to replace the commitment they've made uh, to the team. Let's continue on. Let's go to um, uh, Damianis in Huntington, Long Island. Damianis, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Listen, uh, we can't generalize everything like uh, all the kids for this, for that. There is two things that we have to consider. The first one is the kids, they quit. And if you keep pressuring them to talk to you and tell you honestly what they think about it, it's because they are now good at it. At the beginning, they, they tell you that I, I clean, I don't like it, I, this and that. But when you press the issue, the kid will tell you that I'm not good at it, which means that they are not recognized by their peers. Mm-hmm. When you play on a team, you have to feel you are a part of the team and you contribute. You, you, you're a part of the group. When they celebrate, you're part of the group. When they have fun, you're part of the group. If you are the last player on the bench and you sit around and you're moving and stuff and you're there because your father or your mother pressed you to be there, you have to be a part of a team or you have to be a part of a sport. Plus, they have to give you the tools to go with it. If you're going to play any sport, any, any musical instrument, anything that you will do, you need practice and you need a good teacher. So a kid will quit anything that they have hard time adapting 
Well, I tell you, those are good observations. Uh, and I think, as I said, it, it all sort of meshes with what we're discussing today about having, the, as you say, the tools, uh, you know, to make sure the kids understand the parameters of their commitment. And, and, but, Rick, I, I had an academy. I had a soccer academy. You know which players I was getting into my academy? No. The players that they couldn't play. The kids that they were, they didn't have any skills. They say the kids that they have speed and, and they are athletic and they, they know how to kick a little to the ball, mm-hmm. they thought that they already are superstars at the age of 9, 10, 11. Yeah. This is not... <laughs> And they look at the kid that is not athletic, he doesn't have the skills, that he can't be a part of their force. And that's the, the majority of the people I was getting to teach, that the kids who were rejected or dejected or the parents, they were still insisting somehow their kid has the talent to do the sport. I hear they you. have to be able to recognize also that my kid doesn't have the talent I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> Thank you for the call this morning. Uh, you know, and yeah, these, this is what we're talking about. Let's let's go quickly to uh, to John out in Long Island. John, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when my son was younger, his coach had groomed uh, this team, these kids, for junior high school and eventually high school. Um, they, they, they lost very few games. They went up to Cooperstown. They didn't win up there, but they, they, they were very good teams. And now he's in high school, and he's a catcher, very good catcher. So over the years, I watched the coach at the high school. He had 12, maybe 14 kids, and all of a sudden he's up to 20 kids. And at that point, my son, um, he saw what was going on. It was a private school, and um, you had to pay to get on. They had some fundraisers, but pretty much it cost us a few hundred dollars to get in. They actually even went down to Florida one time uh, to play other schools. So they, they, they traveled a little bit, you know, during the school year. Right. But as, as, as the years went on, my, my son graduated as a junior at 16. He didn't want to play anymore. Well, he didn't want to play. He didn't want to catch. He, he just didn't like the whole thing. There's 20 kids in the team. Nobody's playing. But they're winning. They, 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 it's 30 to 2, 30 to 1, 37 to 6. I mean, it was ridiculous. Get, why are these kids on the bench? The kids are on the bench for one purpose, and that's to get their money mm-hmm. for the whole. And, and that, that was really, that, my son saw through that, and he, and he stopped. You know what? He finished out the year. He said to the coach, you know, so-and-so is, um, he's graduating this year. Why don't you let him catch? And he killed, you know, and then my son moved over to third. And, um, you well, know, and he let this senior catch. John, that yeah, I, the way you describe that, that obviously is not a not a healthy situation. And I stand, I understand that. Yeah, maybe the, you just said the coach figured, well, if I have a, an expanded roster, every kid you know is going to pay uh, extra dough, so we can have a more of a glamorous experience. That's not right. And um, I'm glad to hear your your son. Uh, you know, clearly he saw through it, but he did finish the year before he went back and said, all right, I'm not going to do this again because this is not the way it should be. And I, I think those are that falls under the category of extenuating circumstances. Um, I mean, I, I think that everybody would sort of come to that same kind of conclusion. Yeah, there were a few kids that uh, left earlier in the year, and um, it, was just, it was just frustrating. Yeah. One, one, of the, one of the kids told the coach, he says, oh, we need you. He, and the kid turned to him, and he says, I've been in this school since first grade, you know, it was a 12 years, and he said, Last year, I played one inning. What do you mean you need me? And, and he actually, so, so I, you know what? I really get, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to say that because it's bothered me for all these years. I am sure it's still talking about Quentin, and you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the call. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, John. And yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. There are situations 
where, you know, and the kids get to be teenagers, they understand, they can see what's going on, and they can come to you and say, you know, this isn't right, this is what's going on here. And uh, But again, you know, and this John pointed out that his son finished the year, uh, even though he wasn't happy with having an uh, you know, expanded roster in the baseball team. But again, quitting is a big deal. It is a huge deal. And, um, and I think we have to get our kids today in particular, uh, as one caller mentioned, there's so many activities kids can go to these days. We've got to get to understand that once you walk away, that has repercussions, uh, not just in terms of their, their own resume and, and, and high school career and what their friends and uh, teammates are going to think of them, but also their own sense of character and a sense of integrity. Okay, let me take a pause here. Dave has your update. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget, uh, at 9 o'clock this morning, it is Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and Dave Deal. And don't forget to pick up a copy of Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. Lots of people who have read the book seem to really enjoy it, and they really like the uh, the real-world practical tips when it comes to the psychology of sports. You can get a copy of the book uh, online at Amazon or at uh, BNN.com. Just a quick reminder, uh, you know, we're doing this, this seminar called The Post Game. It's Wednesday, October 24th at Montclair State University at 7 o'clock. This is going to be an interactive panel discussion about the latest issues regarding our kids and adults who use social media. Let me, let me give you a quick example from just yesterday. Uh, out of uh, Houston, according to AP, a white Texas school superintendent who posted a derogatory comment about Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback, the superintendent has resigned. In a letter to the uh, Onalaska Independent School District Board, uh, Lynn Redden said his comment posted earlier in the week on the Houston Chronicles Facebook page was, quote, wrong and inappropriate. He also apologized to Watson, who was black, and pointed out that the quarterback uh, could have criticized him for his comment, but instead to show, as he says, quote, choose peace and positivity, unquote. I mean, this is not a kid posting stuff online, and he's not even the, uh, a teacher or a principal. He's the school superintendent. And obviously, you know, this is the dangers and the pitfalls of social media, and that's what we're going to talk about at the post game on October 24th at Montclair State. Again, it starts at 7 o'clock. Admissions is free. Uh, and I urge you to come by. You'll, you'll find this to be a fascinating conversation about posting on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all the rest. Okay, right now we're talking about quitting and whether or not you know we've made enough headway with our kids to explain to them the commitment and responsibility about quitting a team, and we're taking your calls at 1-877-337-6666. Let's go to Let's go to Frank out in uh, Massapequa. Frank, good morning. Thanks for being uh, so patient to get on the on the show. No problem, buddy. And uh, good morning and happy Sunday. Yeah, you too. I, I have two points. Uh, if you let me, uh, I one the first thing I want to tell you is if, if you hear me out, you would understand. I don't think quitting is an option at all because being, you know coaching kids. I coach for years. Uh, and I start, and a lot of these kids, I you know, they grow up. I I coach with them. Um, it's you know, I coach basketball. I coach lacrosse. And the, commu- the the number one thing is communication with the parents and kids way before even sports even start. So, like athletic parents, people who have played and have kids, 
um, they have to communicate with their kids and let them know what it's about. Mm -hmm. The ups and downs, the do's and don'ts, you might get popped in the mouth, you know, you might have to walk it off, you know, there's things that you got to learn that it's not, it's not all about trophies and winning and championships. You might lose, you might not like it, and there, and there are things that, you know, there's practice every day, and it's not only the kid making a commitment, it's the parents driving them, buying the teeth, buying the, the jerseys, moving people, people moving schedules around, you know, who's picking up who, you know, there's, it's a it's a family commitment. So just to get up and quit halfway through because you just didn't like it, or I'm, I feel like I'm not playing enough. You know, when I, I hear people, you know, I don't I'm, I don't play enough. You know, as a coach, I said, listen, there are two ways of doing it. If you want to start, you got to play better. There's no favoritism, okay? Mm-hmm. Or you know, and you know, you, you got to battle for the spot. These are the things that these are life lessons. You know what I mean? So my, my second point. Is sports is is very important. Um, I think. Listen, I, I was an athlete my whole life, so I do have a one sided view. I'm sure other aspects in the childhood, have, but my experiences were, you know, not everybody deserves a trophy. Because when I did not get a trophy, finishing second place, um, I, that burned me. Now I know a lot of these parents don't want their kids to feel disappointment to feel like they've done nothing to hold you because they have nothing to show for it but what you do is you you learn from that where i'm not losing next year and i want to get that trophy that made me better it didn't make it worse it made me better frank let me stop you there because i want to get a few more calls in but i agree with you that uh you know most kids understandably when they go into a season all they see are the possible, possible you know, dreams come true. They don't really right. anticipate things not going their way, or sitting on the bench and not being a star, or you know, whatever it might be. And again, as you mentioned, in the second point about adversity—that's a huge, huge, valuable lesson that most of our kids, they're not going to like it. We know that, but it just it, if you if they can understand and come to grips with adverse situations. That's going to make them stronger, and as you said, life lessons and, and for person. So those are life lessons. I I couldn't agree with you more. Thank right, you, Frank. Right for thank you. Have a great have a great weekend. You too. And uh, you know, I mean, this is all leads to, you know, if, if most of the time a kid wants to quit, and again, we talk about other extenuating circumstances. It's because a kid is not is not doing as well as he or she had hoped to on the team. And again, adversity, you know, it, 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 I know it sounds kind of ironic, but that is the gift, the gift of adversity to, to teach youngsters about what it's like to pay the price and to put in all those hours of practice. And then, okay, what does this mean? How is this going to impre- help me down the road? Well, you, they, they build up a sense of, of, of inner mental toughness, and that's what it's all about, that they're going to see this through even though things aren't going the way right now. And I think that's critically important. Uh, let's move on to to Matthew up in New City in Rockland County. Matthew, you're on the fan. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, um, 1971, I'm a 16-year-old, the classic late bloomer. I went out for the football team, double sessions, first two. You know, first couple of games, I'm fooling around on a Sunday afternoon with my younger brother who would go on to be an all-star and an undefeated team. And I get a really bad leg injury. I go to the coaches, and I'm like, I can barely walk. And these coaches, they just, they just like browbeat me, like, oh, you're, you're weak, you're less than a man, you know, you got to play hurt. 
And, you know, I was like, you know, I'd had it with these coaches by this time because, you know, I wasn't playing. And, uh, like, they had a separate locker room for people that didn't play. They called it the Brown locker room. And I can remember the coach's quote, there's only one thing I know that's Brown. Ah, well. But let me finish. Yeah. So, you know, later on in life, you know, I was a late bloomer. I was 16. I was young for my class. You know, I went on. I went in the Marines. I did a tour overseas. I played ice hockey in college. I played football in college. I look back at these coaches, and they were basically... You know, they were none of them went to Vietnam. They all could have they all could have been platoon commanders in, in Vietnam, but they were bullying kids like me while they're defining adolescence, you know, what it is to be a man. And I look back on them now and you know, I realize that some probably the best coaches don't get to be coaches. Well, Matt, and, and let me, let me, a lot of these coach, a lot of these coaches are deficient. Yeah, let me let me stop there because okay. I'm against the clock here. But I will tell you For this: personality. Yeah, I mean the thing is, and 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 you know your story obviously goes back to you said 1971. Coaching was a little different then. We, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we there are more enlightened coaches these days. But to Matthew's point. Obviously, that was something that was a, a, a critical moment in his life, the way the coaches were treating him and, in fact, were bullying him uh, to go into that separate locker room. But then he basically went through that process, learned from adversity, and ended up playing, as he said, hockey and, and football in college. So clearly he overcame that, the fact the fact that he had some sort of uh, some, uh, some, some coaches who just weren't enlightened back in the early 70s, which, of course, is a long time ago. All right, let me take a quick pause. I'll return. Stay with me. Let me just sort of sum up uh, our, our my, my feelings and philosophy about quitting. Uh, you know, again, as a number of you had observed this morning, and I, I agree with you, when a kid goes out for a team, they are full of hope and promise and optimism that this is going to be a wonderful experience, that uh, their athletic skills are going to shine, and they're going to be, you know, either starters or, or all-stars, whatever it might be. And But the problem is that you have to basically educate your, your youngster uh, and do it over and over again so the lesson, you know, sort of begins to, to seep in, whether they're 9 or 10 or, or 12 or 16, that when you go out for a team and make a commitment to be in a team, that means through ups and downs and wins and losses and adversity, uh, you're gonna sit, you're gonna basically go through this. And again, from a from a coach's perspective, you have to understand that even though you're looking at the kids who are gonna be the starters and and gonna become the the real kids you're gonna rely on during the course of the games, the kids on the bench, they're going through the same practice sessions, they're making the same amount of effort, they're going through the same commitment as your starters are. So if if you get that as a coach, you're going to make sure you're just as sensitive, perhaps even more sensitive to, to, the, to the needs of the kids on the bench as you are to your star players. And I think that's essential. Again, parents, you got to sit down and make sure you educate your kids about the word commitment and understand that they get the point that who knows how the season's going to work out. Uh, it may be great. It may be not so great. But to just say halfway through, I've had enough and I'm going to do something else at this point, I'm not sure that's... That's a good lesson for them to learn. We talk about life lessons all the time on the show. Quitting 
That's a pretty significant uh, drop-off and something that you're taking quite, quite seriously. Uh, because I do believe that in the end, it goes to building a sense of character, a sense of integrity for your youngster, and that in the long run is more important than how they do on the team during that season. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Dave Ettinger. Please stick around for Football Sunday. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.